Georgian Voices podcast is brought to you by the development team at St. George's. It is our aim to build and maintain lifelong links between all those in the Georgian family, to inspire them to be the very best versions of themselves. In each episode of the Georgian Voices podcast series, we are joined by a guest member from our Georgian family as we hear from them about their time at St. George's and what they've gone on to do in their life and career to date. Each episode is available to listen online, including our website, georgianfamily.co.uk, where you can also read our latest news, including the newly published edition of our Always Georgian magazine. This week, our Deputy Development Director, Joe Ridge, is joined by OG Rick Yovanovich, founder and CEO of TRG International, a market-leading global professional services firm. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the Georgian Voices podcast. So Rick, thanks very much for being uh, our first guest on the Georgian Voices podcast. Um, Could you sort of give us an update in terms of what you're doing at the moment, where you are, um, where you are in the world? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Joe. And thank you for inviting me. And um being the first inaugural person on your podcast. So where am I now? Well, right now, this second, I am in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And I've actually been here since 1990. Wow, that's a, a, a long time. Um, so can you take me back to your... So before that, can you take me back to your channel? Like, talk me through your background. Uh, what made you go to Vietnam? It's been a bit of a roundabout route, I have to admit. Um, I left St. George's in what, 1980. And I did not do so well with my A-levels. <laughs> They weren't even close to the predicted grades. But we'll put that aside. We can talk about that later. (laughs) And I ended up going and uh, working as a management trainee at Sainsbury's just down the road in Cobham. Um, And seemed like a good idea at the time because I couldn't get into university. And after a few months, I realised, you know, it's quite quite good fun, but uh, my brain was dead because I hadn't used it. (laughs) And it it was time to get out of that. And so within the year I had left, and, and I don't think I can remember, I had decided I want to become an accountant. So I went to accounting school got through that and then I went through a series of jobs learning how to do accounting. Um, Some nice jobs, I remember the very, very first one, working in a very small private accounting practice as an audit clerk and I used to look out the window on Covent Garden Square and I realised I wasn't actually doing a lot of work because it was more fun looking out the window and watching the performers. and I guess it was a, quite an old practice. I'm sure we had the old quill pen, and I kid you not, we had leather-bound ledgers. 
um, so that didn't last very long. So I decided I didn't want to be in that profession. And I left them and I joined a brewery, which seemed far more exciting. It's a drastic change from the world of accountancy, going working to a going working in a brewery. Can you tell me yeah, more about it was, that? It was, it was still accounting. It was still accounting. Um, uh, I, uh, it was actually a branch of uh, uh, Courage Breweries and uh, Park Royal, uh, right next to the Guinness Brewery. So what a fantastic location. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do you want to drink today? Uh, and um, and I, I worked on the, uh, um, the, uh, the retail side of it where we ran a chain of off-licenses. So all the uh, beers, wine, spirit shops. And that lasted for a couple of years, I think. And then I moved into defense manufacturing um, because I wanted to go more into costing and manufacturing. And that was quite interesting um, to see what they manufacture. And it was, yes, it was in support of, of the defense industry, a lot of it. Um, building stuff for bombs and what have you, um, but also other commercial things like stuff for cars and ships and battleships. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. Um, did that for s- several years, then uh, switched to IT, a company called EDS, which was a company at the time run by. Ross Perot um, is subsequently brought up by HP, and that really got me uh, exposed to a lot more systems accounting, modern systems. It's all about facilities management, ERP, and all that kind of stuff, and that was super exciting. Um, And then I was there for a bit, and then I left there and moved to real estate development company. uh, developing uh, housing out in the Middle East, um, as well as doing development in the city of London. And I was there for a short spell. And then I moved to oil. I moved to BP. And they first shipped me out to China. So I arrived in China just after Tiananmen. And a few months after that, they relocated me down to exactly where I am right now, Ho Chi Minh City. <laughs> and if I open the window, I could probably touch the area where I used to live 32 years ago. Wow. <laughs> You've been there ever since. Yes, um, I've sort of been here ever since. It's been the base, but during that time, uh, my then two, two commuter since um, in the late um, uh, 1990s, so um, about 97, 98, I uh, relocated to Singapore mm-hmm. um, and we were trying to catch the dot-com bubble um, and we were doing the equivalent of cloud computing, which didn't exist. So we were doing a joint venture with the government there, which is quite, quite exciting. And then we got the, obviously, the year 2000, the bubble burst. Uh, so I moved, <laughs> I moved to Europe. I moved to Switzerland. Uh, and I was operating around Switzerland, Europe, and 
more like Eastern Europe. And then eventually came back to Vietnam because commuting from either Singapore and even from Switzerland was not very sensible. Um, so I <laughs> came back to Switzerland, <laughs> came back to Vietnam, but I was doing it. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, uh, Switzerland was like a month in Switzerland, a month in Vietnam. Uh, okay. So I did that for about three years. But after missing first steps of one of my kids, missing first words of one of my other kids, and within a three-year period, having missed more than one birthday, and the oldest was only two, I thought, hmm, this is not going to work very well. So uh, we up sticks and came back to Vietnam full-time. Full-time. And we're still there. And still there. So you've had a very varied working career up until that point, I would say. I think you'd agree. Um, and then, obviously, so was it in as we've we've spoken before about um trg which is the the company you co-founded and are still running at the moment um can you tell tell me tell us a bit more about the decision behind starting up your own company and kind of the what was the what was the motivation there for, for doing that that's a great question and i'd love to say that since I'm a highly strategic person, because I'm a qualified accountant and I, I did win a prize in strategy. Um, <laughs> so I had this all worked out. I've always wanted to run my own company. I knew exactly what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. That would be a bit of fantasy. <laughs> okay. Truth be told, truth be told. Now, as I said, I came to Vietnam with BP and back in 94, it was time to go back to London. And can anybody, well, maybe you're not old enough. <laughs> um, can anybody remember London in 1994 with the oil price at $15 and going even lower? Um, it was a bit depressing. Um, and I hadn't met my five bosses in BP in the few years that I had been in Vietnam. So I knew exactly what would happen if I ever went back to London. So I took a redundancy package and I retired back in 1994. Um, but I'm a workaholic and that lasted about a week. Um, now at the time, at BP, as I said, I, I'm more of a systems accountant, which means I fool around with the computer systems all the time. And during my time with BP in Vietnam, my friends used to ask me, and my friends happened to be the other CFOs of the other international oil companies in the country, used to ask me, Rick, what are you doing for accounting? And I said, oh, I use this system. Here's the box. It's called Sun Systems from Systems Union a great British product. And they go, oh, that's cool. And then they come back a bit later and says, I got this box that you told me to get. It's got stuff inside it. Can you set it up for me? I thought, yeah, okay. There's nothing else to do. I might as well do that for you. So I did it for one company, then another one, and another one, and another one. And when I was leaving BP, <clears throat> Systems Union, the owners of Sun Systems, said, hey, Rick, do you want to carry on doing what you're doing? I go, what's that? says, well, 
you keep selling the system for us. So can you become a distributor and just carry on doing what you're doing and sell it to everyone else? So I so, thought, that's a good idea. So I did. I just signed up with them. And uh, so when I left with BP, all my friends, the other old companies, um, engaged me as a consultant to look after their systems. And then I sold another system and then another one, another one, another one, another one, uh, which took me to about 30 or 40 different countries around the world as I followed my oil friends when they got moved. And here we are today. We're still here, still doing the same thing, still selling the same system, although we do a whole load of other cloud-based ERP systems as well. So there was no real plan. It just happened. And we have grown from one man without a dog to a few more people. So how many, <clears throat> roughly, what, what's the size of the, the company you've told me previously that you're, you're recruiting? So um, as, of, as of now, what's kind of the, how many, how many members of staff do you currently employ? It's in the region of 450 to 500 people. Um, not exactly sure the exact number. I mean, I know this quarter, I've, um, I know we're trying to hire about 50 people just in the second quarter of this year. So we'll probably go over 500. And I know we just opened up yet another office up in Huey as well. And we're trying to fill that one up. So you've come a long way since uh, starting off by yourself. Um, would if there, if there's, if you could go back, um, I'm thinking further, maybe potentially when you had left St. George's. So say when you're about 18 and give yourself one piece of advice. And this is, this is relevant to not just the, your time at TRG, TRG, but also, um, through your, through your, through your other jobs as well in your career. Um, if you could go, could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh, don't know if I got one. <laughs> it can be it can be multiple. It can be multiple. Any sort of advice you think back and just think, ah, I wish I knew this or oh, I wish I could have done that. I think I I think um only because I didn't. Um I think I should have gone to university because I still feel I've missed out. Well, maybe that's some of that FOMO stuff. I missed out. <laughs> um, and people are having fun, and I've sent my kids to uni, and they're still mm. in uni. <laughs> one's finishing off her master's, the other one's in, in his second year, and they're having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> and back then, I was stacking shelves in Sainsbury's. <laughs> so, you know, what would I prefer? Probably going to uni. Uh, putting that aside, um, other advice just get started, stop dithering, just just do it. Okay. Don't, don't, don't over analyze things. Um, you're going to make mistakes. So fail fast and fail often. Cause at the end of the day, when you get old, I bet you there's a correlation between your wisdom and the number of mistakes you've made and having learned from them. So the more mistakes you've made and the more you've learned them, the probably the wiser you are. With with universities, so I'll just start on the point about going back to university. 
what would you have um, studied? I mean, was there a, was there a plan to go to university at all when you were when you were at school, or um, was it kind of a, a a decision that you thought, oh no, I don't want to go to university? Was it was it the grades? What would you have what would you have potentially gone on gone on to do? It's a great question. I didn't actually know what I wanted to do. If I was following the careers advice. I would have ended up doing something that I didn't want to do because um, most of the advice was become an engineer. Okay. Engineering just did not attract me for some reason. I know I wanted to work with numbers, so um, being an actuary appealed, uh, being an accountant appealed, um, and I also did look at uh, computing, um, although when, when I left St. George's, you know, the computer hadn't quite come out yet. So <laughs> it was just like a bit fantasizing what it was all really about because we hadn't actually touched. Well, that's not true because I remember in the upper six, it's a friend of mine, or you did have something in the school, but it looked like more like some kind of tape recorder thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably worth a fortune if you guys are still running. I don't think I don't think we do, uh, unfortunately. Um, but it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, we're kind of sat on other sides of the world uh, recording a podcast with probably just three bits of equipment. Um, <laughs> look where we are now. But um, you also spoke just then about getting on and doing things. Is that the advice you would give to someone who's 18 at the moment? Obviously, we've got a lot of um, students, uh, upper six, who are about to embark on their on their career, really, whether it be going to work, apprenticeships or um likewise go on to university what would you would you give them the same advice as in terms of just go out and do what you want um make mistakes and then actually in the long term it'll work, work out what would you what would you say to them i would pretty much say the same thing um we do have a lot of interns and the advice i always give them is it's your internship. It's your internship. Um, you have to grab things. You have to find out very, very quickly by trying lots of different things. What do you like? That's a given. But it's equally important to find out what you do not like doing. Because if you can establish what you do not like doing, that's great. When you go to a real job, your real career, avoid a job that has all the stuff that you don't like doing rather than go into a job thinking you're going to like it, not even, not even knowing what it's all about, finding out you actually hate it and having to leave. And that can sort of mess up your CV. So find some internships and use them as that sort of safe sandpit to find out stuff about yourself, what you like, what you don't like, what you can do, what you're even good at doing, what you, you're not good at doing. And, you know, you're going to discover stuff about yourself of what does take your interest and areas where you're going to be willing to invest the time and the effort to gain the skills because that's what you actually want to do. 
Okay, so I always advocate do it in an internship. It's safe. Okay, yeah. compare that to do it, doing that in your first couple of jobs. You know, employers look at that less favorably. So, on the topic of um, you just mentioned internships, I know that um, that is something um, you offer. Um, what do you feel? Um, a student gets out of internships. So obviously this is coming off the back of um, just general news about internships. I'm speaking specifically in the UK um, and also it's mainly access to, to in- internships. Um, do you think internships um, are beneficial to the company and also to, to the person doing it? And um I guess if there's anything you could, I mean, I'm, as an employer, do you look for anything um, such as internships when you're looking to recruit people? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, as an employer, okay, I'm biased because we believe in interns and internships. Um, if I was looking at two identical candidates, they went to similar schools, they have similar grades, they have similar degrees or whatever. Um, one of them has zero work experience and the other one has done a slew of internships. I'm gonna go with the one with the internships mm-hmm. because an internship for the intern, apart from finding out, as I said before, what they like doing, what they don't like doing, uh, what they're good at, what they're not good at, um, it's also learning how to work. You're going from um, an educational environment into a work environment, and it could be different to what you expected. And you've, you've got to do it and find out. And ideally in an internship, um, if you can work with lots of different people, you, you learn how to collaborate. Okay. Ideally, in an internship, if it's a hybrid one, you get the opportunity to work virtually and depending on your location, you get to work face-to-face as well. So again, it's getting the experience on what's it like working in the work environment, in the physical environment, but also what's it like doing literally the same job when you're not in the office and you have to do it remotely. And then you have to do it uh, 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 with a team of people who are splattered all around the world and all around the country. The skills that you pick up for that, I believe, are, are very, very valuable, and we need them today, okay? Who knew pre-pandemic that we all need to become expert on using Zoom and all of these Quite, yeah. things and, you know, and, and, and working, working from home, or I call it working from anywhere, so do, do, do you think that the hybrid internships, so I know that you you offer virtual and hybrid internships, do you think there we'll see a lot more of those in the future then because of what's happened over the past couple of years? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't know why they should be uh, ruled out. Um, and again, my attitude is we, we've really embraced a work from anywhere approach and anywhere means anywhere anywhere if it means from home great it's from home anywhere if that means to you i want to be in the office great that's also working from anywhere it's your choice that's a flexibility thing and for a lot of what we do which is consulting 
uh, we can do a lot of stuff or literally everything virtually and on um, the so i think i think that's that's it's it's the future well it's not even the future it's here yeah and on on i guess on on that moving on from internships to to i would say the more broad topic of mentor mentoring um it's something that we do or are trying to actively promote um here at st george's we have quite a lot of old georgians and also current parents who have signed up to to mentor students obviously there's a there's a lot of um demand for it and i think it's beneficial to both the student or the young person and also um in our case the parents or and the old georgians and i know we've 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 spoken before about the time or actually you being a mentor and um i just thought you could could you talk through about kind of what made you want to do that and what you personally have got out got out of it and um would you would you recommend other people to to actually give up their time and be a mentor? Great question. It's a great question. As we um, progress in our careers, um, and one would assume you move up the career ladder and up the hierarchy, as it were, um, you know we're going to find ourselves in a position where we have to manage, supervise other people. And as we go higher, we realize it's not just managing them, we have to grow people. We have to groom them into the people that we really want for the organization. So from an organizational point of view, you can say, yeah, that's a selfish thing. We need to do it. But from a different perspective, is the relationship between a mentor and a mentee is, is a bit of a um, special relationship, as it were, because we're actually helping to grow another person. And from one point of view, you say, yeah, we're just training them and because you need them in your team. That's one side of it. But there's, a, there's another sort of more altruistic side of it, so go back to old Maslow's pyramid, is, is really helping other people succeed. Okay, and when I look back at my career history, there have been a few people during my career in the various companies I worked for, the, there's several bosses or people within those organizations who really helped Okay, as in steered me on a better path or gave me a bit of advice, okay, a bit of guidance, which is what mentoring is also about. And it really helped me move up faster, I should say. And then looking at it from a different perspective again is what if there were more mentors available, literally in any organization, that we can really, really help people grow faster. Because in order to, to grow, we need to acquire skills, we need to acquire habits, we need to acquire behaviors, and we need to get that from subject matter experts, mentors. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it, which is also why we do internships. 
because for a company, an internship is an opportunity to give your own people in your company the opportunity to mentor interns. So you're giving them hands-on practice, okay, um, to be mentors. And on the other hand, it introduces interns, young folks coming into the workforce, of what mentorship is about. And invariably, they see the benefit of it, and therefore they already have it in their minds how important it is, and they can carry on the tradition, okay? Because it is about people helping people. Of course. Did you... Well, it is, really. <laughs> just on that, did you... I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mentor, but did you have a mentor or someone in your life that acted as that kind of in that mentor role? Um, has anyone sort of guided you with anything or have you, um, and or if not, would you, do you think you would have benefited from it? So there were a few people in the companies I worked with, but there was no one really independent of that. Okay. Okay, there was no one really independent of that. Um, so if I had somebody independent of that, yeah, that would that would be um, uh, would have been a, a, a great benefit. Um, yeah, so no one really, and so I guess that is also one of the drivers that there's that gap in my own development, mm -hmm. and I would have got much much further or got where I am a lot faster um if that person was there um and that's why i like doing it myself mentoring as well as coaching which is same same but different and you're um I'm, am i right in saying you're currently mentoring um an old georgian is that that's i believe that's that's correct is that is that right yes that was a complete and utter accident uh the mentoring I don't know if that was an accident, but it, it was not intentional because I didn't know he was an old Georgian. Um, what happened was is that um, over the last well, couple of years ago, 18 months ago, I was doing a master coaching certification. Yeah. And for one of our capstone projects, I had to, or we had to with a co-coach, we had to do some team coaching of someone. So I knew some folks who were in a startup and I just say, hey, you know, can we do some team coaching for you guys? And so we did. So we stepped in and um, they were a startup and we did some, we had multiple team coaching sessions. We helped them establish their values, their mission, their purpose, all of that kind of stuff. Um, really helped them with their strategy. Um, and... Um, And I just started uh, continuing coaching one of the co-founders. Um, and a lot of the coaching since they're a startup and I've run several startups um, turned into mentoring. So it's a bit of both. Yeah. And I was just asking like, okay, you're from the UK. Yes, he was. And, you know, I asked him where he's from. He's from Woking. I said, oh, yeah, I'm from Weybridge. I said, where did you go to school? He goes, St. George's. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird 
<laughs> Maybe global. That's, that's what's holding it together. So that's been going on for for, for more than a year. For, for an Indian next week. <laughs> That's a great story. I guess it, it goes to show the power of the OG network in a way, or just the power of any network, to be honest, and that just happened by chance. So imagine what could be done when or if we can potentially sort of start to introduce more OGs together um not by chance so no that's a that's a that's a brilliant story um and it was all it was all the way on the other side of the world away from waking on waybridge so um no it's a, a it's a it's a really feel good uh story that um i just i guess speaking more about your time at st george's i know you were big into the boat club um and did you have any sort of um, favourite memories of, of of your time running at the school? Um, and I guess also, just on for that, is there anything that you learnt whilst at school, whether it be rowing or or anything else that you've taken with you throughout your life? It could be anything. So I'm not just thinking. I'm not just thinking uh, an academic founding or or anything like that. But any relationships you've made or the people you met. Yeah, great question. Rowing. So I think back then, rowing as a sport in, in St. George's is very, very different back then compared to what it was or to what it is today, from what I understand. Um, but back then, yeah, um, there were many, many fond memories of, of rowing. I, uh, I I still have here just <laughs> hanging on the wall there, <laughs> the uh, medal from uh, National Schools Regatta, um, where uh, we, I think we came second, which is, we still got a medal. It, it, it was great. <laughs> um, and uh, if uh, I remember from our previous conversation, you're saying the first person that you're going to interview for this podcast in person is Johnny John Cox, okay, <laughs> who was uh, uh, another guy that I knew at school. Okay, we, we, we've, uh, uh, we used to go pot hunting. Well, I was a Cox, uh, he rode. Uh, we used to go pot hunting during, during the school holidays. So we've been on many a trip pot hunting around the country, <laughs> rowing. Um, so yeah, very, very, very fond memories. As to other people, um in uh in georgia's there's there are a few ogs in vietnam okay. i've only known of two or three others mm-hmm. um it's toby the the guy I, I mentor um there's another guy morris donnelly okay uh who i think left in 81 82 mm-hmm. okay he lives around the corner <laughs> <laughs> some decades uh, and we we met in a pub <laughs> just by chance yeah <laughs> just by chance as one does <laughs> and then funny enough up in hanoi uh i'm i'm on the board of the british chamber of commerce and one of the other board members was up in hanoi and i was just chatting to him and i don't know what we were talking about but it emerged that I knew his wife because she's an old Morian. 
Yeah. <laughs> and she was at St George's when I was there and I knew her so that was very very amusing when we met up as well so they're the only Georgians I know that have been in Vietnam so maybe there are some others yeah we'll have to try and dis- rediscover some you never know through this podcast maybe we'll we'll get some who reach out I know that we've got a very strong contingent in um in Hong Kong um, but yeah, I think our plan is to try and widen the scope and get in touch m- with more um, old Georgians who we may have um, been out of touch with due to various reasons. Um, that's our plan. Um, hopefully, now that COVID seems to be on the decline, or at least in the UK, we'll hopefully be able to go out and. Uh, potentially host some events um out out in out abroad um i know that we had a couple of receptions planned um in new york but unfortunately we had it planned for may 2020 and then it was right in the middle of lockdown so no flights going out anywhere um, which was a bit disappointing so we're hoping that we're sort of out of out of that now and we can begin to we can begin to do more one of those things that we actually have started to do and i know you've just spoken previously about zoom is a more virtual reunions as well so whilst we do majority majority of the time host events in and around waybridge um the virtual um reunions that we've started to implement have been really successful so we'll be hope hoping to do more of that um as well and continue with that whilst the events uh, seem to to ramp up one of the questions i also had for you is on the topic of coffee <laughs> um i love coffee um but so do you apparently um um the um the venture that you have in coffee coffee can you tell us more about that Yes, I do like coffee. (laughs) Um, Some years back, must have been at least five years or six years back, I had it in my mind to set up um, another, another venture around here in Vietnam, which at the time would have been a very novel idea. Um, It's called co-working space. So back then, like, people were going, you what? What's that? Um, now, <laughs> we all know what it is, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was trying to work out how to do that. And I thought, oh, you need a good coffee shop or something like that um, to, to help attract people. And I just happened to be speaking to one of my friends who does a lot of the international franchises, and he was trying to flog me some IT franchise, which I was not interested in. <laughs> And I said, okay, I'll humor you, flick, flick through, but what else are you trying to flog? <laughs> and uh, he uh, was flicking through and he showed me a coffee franchise. And I thought that got my attention. <laughs> and um, I thought it was coincidence, but then maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm being a bit daft. <laughs> the this coffee franchise happened to come from New Orleans and at the time I was in a global advisory committee and I kept going to the states every probably every quarter um, and 
I was going to a conference in New Orleans and I went there a few days early to get a tour of the roastery, um, meet the brand. And then I think for my next three visits to the US, it doesn't matter which city I landed in, it was usually New York, um, they were there. <laughs> so within about 12 to 18 months, I had signed up and picked up the master franchise for PJ's Coffee of New Orleans for Vietnam, being their very first step internationally outside Vietnam. And that's been an interesting journey. Um, it, I can say it blends very, very well with the technology work that we do, but I don't think that's quite true <laughs> apart from we need the caffeine to keep going <laughs> it's the it's the breaks you know the coffee breaks that's what you need yes yeah, the coffee breaks yeah and yeah and it, 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 in our office building up the, the the ground floor of our building is the coffee shop um and i set up the rest of the building as our own co-working space mm. um even though it's okay it's mostly us at the moment because due to the pandemic we sub sublet some of it but it's all back yeah. to us now and so, yeah, we, you want a coffee? Go downstairs and grab a coffee. You know, so it's better than going and making your own using some horrible instance. <laughs> you have some real coffee. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we have that. We have a couple of other shops. Uh, we've actually put them in schools. We put them into a secondary school, the only coffee shop in a secondary school. And we even put it into their early year campus because when the parents come to drop off the pre-kindergarten kids, yeah. what better to do than to sit down and have a lovely cup of coffee and a chat? And well, a chat. any chance of uh, <laughs> any chance of opening a shop at St George's? I'm very keen for. <laughs> very well, keen if I ever opinion. retire, whatever that means, um, <laughs> and I come back to the to the UK and I haven't got anything better to do, maybe I will open up another little old coffee shop. Um, so I mean on on that just your various ventures so talking about coffee TRG the even from your time from Sainsbury's all the way through your your accountancy career um, have you always wanted to be the boss have you always wanted to run your own business not at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not not really at all. I don't think it ever struck me as that. Um, I said I went I went into business for myself for want mm. of didn't know what else to do. Uh, and doing nothing was pretty pretty boring. Um, and I, I enjoyed being a consultant. It's it's fun being a consultant. Um, and and so I can understand. Um, why people love this gig economy at the moment and that flexible style of working. Because I did all that, you know, 30 years ago. It was, you know, to be in total control of your time um, is very, very appealing. However, you know, I just crossed, you know, I just got bigger and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and just started hiring more more people. We got a bit carried away, I guess. Um, And... um, so do I want to be the boss? I'd rather be the boss of nobody, to tell the, to tell the truth. 
Um, I really um, would rather manage nobody. Is that from, I guess, your experience that you've had? Um, um, why? What makes you say? What makes you say that? Is there is there a, is there a particular reason? Yeah, I'm more of a strategist, ideas person. I'm infinitely curious. Um, so I seem to have a knack for identifying niches, seeing just seeing something when there isn't anything there. Mm. Uh, so pick up the right products to enter the right market before anyone gets there. Okay, if I want to sound all strategic, oh, sir, absolutely yeah. intentional blue ocean strategy, of course. The fact there's a bit of luck in it, that, that helps. Um, but you make your own luck. Um, so, yeah, I see that stuff. So getting things started, helping startups, funding startups, co-founding startups, um, and getting involved in lots of startups, I do that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I like starting it up. Once it becomes successful, do I want to keep it ticking along or whatever? That is less appealing. That's, okay. That is not what... Um, turns me on. Likewise, um, uh, sorry, hmm. just if I can just interject, is that, I mean, you've already previously touched upon it, but all your various roles at different board level um, organisations, um, is that, do you think that's part of that as well in terms of having the the influence, but not necessarily kind of the the management, that's what kind of drives you? Yes and no. I mean, you know, in when you're in sort of a board advisory position, um, yeah, you don't have any people anyway. That's true. <laughs> you're only there to give advice. Yeah. He says a mentoring at a different level, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but it, it it is giving advice and it's based on ex experience and whatever your subject matter expertise is. Um, so, in some respects, I. I like doing that, but in other respects, I like actually rolling my sleeves up and getting my hands dirty. Mm -hmm. um, hence, hence the uh, the startups. And what's so good about the startups is the people tend to be super enthusiastic. Okay, and it's great to have a conversation with a bunch of people who are so enthusiastic and passionate about what they're actually doing and being able to contribute to that. So it's like an upward spiral. You know, we're all picking on and bouncing off ideas of each other, and then we all go down the same thread and we're, you know, visualising and constructing something as, as, we, as we speak. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, it's very, very, very exciting. And then being able to bring that to fruition, you know, help them you know, find the people to build it or advise them, you know, where to get that outsourcing and help them with the funding and help them raise the funds and help them structure properly. It is, it is all super exciting. And it, would you say that's what you're most passionate about? And um, I guess the question would be what 
what motivates you the most is it for example you've what is it what you've just touched upon or is there anything else that um i guess where's your drive come from i've realized that the drive isn't because they're a startup and the drive isn't because i'm giving them advice and the drive isn't because they're enthusiastic the drive I only worked out about four or five years ago uh, when I was doing a, funny enough, a coaching and mentoring certification to turn me into a certified coach and mentor. Um, And I realized that I like inspiring and transforming professionals for consistently higher achievement. And that is actually my life purpose. Mm-hmm. that's why I bother getting up in the morning, okay? And so why did I like <laughs> with the startups and things? Because I'm ha- helping these people, and they're all very professional, yeah. okay, go higher and higher and higher and higher, okay? And I oh, that's why I also like uh, uh, mentoring. I like internships. I like um, people with those open, curious minds who want to grow. Now, does that mean I don't coach more senior people or older people? Of course I do, uh, but it's a mindset. Of course. You know, I want to help people transform, change, be better. And do you get do you keep up to date with the progress? So I know you've mentioned coaching, mentoring, especially um people within their careers is there a feedback system whereby you get told um what they've gone on to do is that do you do you have that and is it quite rewarding in that sense it's it's up to them if they want to um maintain the the relationship i mean usually when i'm when you're coaching it's it's for an engagement it's for a set period of time so maybe if they're uh, during their internship, yeah, I, I will coach them if they want to be coached. Um, for for met for mentors, and it's it's harder if they if they move away to another country and, and do another path because uh, then maybe I'm the wrong mentor for them because I don't have the subject matter expertise that they need, and uh, the proximity may be or the lack of proximity may be uh, a barrier. But it's it's early days. Um, I have this this old Georgian <laughs> that I'm helping or coaching and mentoring at the moment. We'll see where that goes. That's already gone a year, um, and there are some other you know people that have gone through the company, intern or or non-intern, who have gone on to wherever they've gone on in the world. And yeah, we touch base from time to time, and I'm always available if they. Um, if they want any coaching or mentoring. What what would you say to anyone listening um, who's thinking of potentially starting out, doing some coaching or mentoring? What would you say to them? Um, Would you give them any advice? Get started. (laughs) (laughs) You know, let's not think about it. Um, You know, either coach or mentoring. Yes, there's theory to be learned. Uh, so find find yourself a good school or good program to follow. 
personally, okay, I'm biased, um, go for a professional credential. Um, again, I guess that comes from the accounting background. Yeah. You know, um, I have various accounting certifications you know, from various professional bodies around the world. And you know, if our St. George's audience is, is usually from the UK, a big bulk of them, um, yeah, you know, we understand what professions are in the UK. It's it's important. So I I could say I'm a bit biased by that. Uh, and when I went into coaching and mentoring, which was a bit of an accident, by, by the way, um, that I decided to get properly credentialed for that as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and finding the right the right school or the right program um, is important. Uh, but uh, bear in mind that there's more than one. <laughs> I've gone, I, I don't. I've lost track of how many different coaching programs I've been on. I've been on a lot, mm. okay, because it just interests me. So yes, I've gone through um, CCMP, CCMC. Um, I'm currently doing my ICF PCC. Uh, but I've done other coaching, you know, I, uh, uh, Ikigai is something that interests me. And so I became an Ikigai coach. Emotional intelligence, we know, is very, very uh, important. So I've become an emotional intelligence practitioner. Um, and it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> so <clears throat> I guess my final question to you, obviously, we've, we've, we've spoken a lot um, about your career, also the current activities um, of of your company, um, and also your your enjoyment of um, mentoring and coaching. Um, my final question to you would be: What's next for you? Have you got any big plans? Uh, I can't really say. Are you planning to retire? Considering you you mentioned that you were retiring. 20 years over 20 years ago now so is there anything on the horizon that you're excited about um whether in your personal life or in business the two things i think um the first is yes i'm class of 1980 which means that this year all of us turn 60. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> um, in theory, official retirement age, whatever that is, is on the horizon. It's within the decade. Um, so I must be arranging uh, to hand over the reins to the organisation to others. So over the next five years, really, is all about succession planning and enabling other people and setting it up so... I do not have to be there all the time. Okay, that's a partial retirement. Yeah. Now, linked to that is what am I going to do if I'm not at work all day? I will that's a good go question. to my. <laughs> I will go to my other passion, which we already know is coaching. Mm -hmm. So, one of the reasons why I'm doing more and more coaching and mentoring is I am preparing myself to be able to continue that even when I'm not working 100 hours a week anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I will still carry on coaching um, a handful of people when I want to. So it's going to be a, like a part-time retirement job. And as a career, it's, it's a great career because it doesn't really matter how old you are. Okay, you can just carry on doing that. So I'm doing that. Um, and the other thing that I've sort of liked doing as well is, is writing. Um, I published a book uh, last year, or I co-authored a book, and that was a New York Times and USA Today bestseller, Amazon bestseller as well. Um, my main book is coming out later this year, if I can get around to reading the manuscript <laughs> again <laughs> and copy editing it, I'm fixing it. Um, so that'll be coming out later this year. And I have another co-authored book that's coming out in June. So I'll probably set you a bit of a target to be involved in 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 one book a year or or every other year. The um so the, the best do that as well. The bestseller book, what was what was the content? What was it about? That book was about habits of success, habits of success, okay? Um, and myself and the other co-authors, we just focused on one particular habit, okay, that we felt was a driver to our own personal and our own uh, business success. And so, yeah, that went pretty well. Uh, and the, the book that is due to be published this year um, is called Business as Unusual. Because there is nothing usual about anything these days. And I do not ascribe to the new normal or any of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, there is nothing normal about anything. Everything is unusual. So to me, it's business as unusual. That is the flavor of the day. And that's all about finding yourself, finding direction, because so many people during the pandemic have lost their jobs. Mm. They lost their jobs. They lost their way. They lost their purpose. They lost their will to do anything. So how do you find that passion again? How do you rekindle that? And if you're trying to run an organization where everybody's a little bit down and depressed because things don't look nice out there anymore, um, how do you perk everybody up? How do you motivate everybody? How do you just get it all going and put purpose back into everything and get the, you know, as I used to say, um, you know, pre-pandemic, we used to complain that we used to go to the office and was stuck in our little cube and we feel like a, a hamster in a wheel, yeah? All the pandemic did was take the office away and take the wheel away, but we're now just a hamster lost in a maze. We've got no idea where we're going. Um, and so through this book, I'm trying to get people to find a new direction of where to go, uh, whether it's for the individual or but this is really mainly for the business and a business leader. Uh, the sequel to this um, is Life is Unusual, uh, which is really more focused on the individual. And the sequel to that is Work is Unusual, which is really addressing the workplace Although since I'm a bit behind schedule, so, I might I might knock off the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Business as unusual. When when is that due to be released? In theory, 
Um, it's probably going to be third quarter. Okay. okay? Um, but I have another book coming out in June. But Habits of also called Habits of Success. That's already out. Um, that's already out, and you can go to my website, which is my TRG website, or you can go to my personal website, rickovanovich.com. I'll provide a link with the podcast, uh, so if people are interested, they can they can go on there. Um, well, Rick, thanks very much for um, agreeing to speak with me on the uh, Georgian Voices podcast. Um, you're as as we've spoken about, you're our first guest, so um, it's been a great honour to to talk to you. And hopefully um, this will be the first of many uh, podcasts with all Georgians. Uh, we're hoping to grow this, so um, we know it'll take a, a, a bit of time, but um, you've got to start somewhere. So just a great honor. Honestly, it's, it's been a great honor. And thank you again for uh, taking your time to, to speak with us and um, good luck for the future. Well, thanks very much, Joe. I mean, the, the honour's really mine to be uh, to ask to speak, and um, I don't really mind being the guinea pig for this. Uh, <laughs> but at least I know where I'm going. As I said, no longer in the wheel or in the maze, I know where I'm going. Uh, so I really do appreciate uh, you, Joe, um, asking me, and also today because it's your birthday. So yeah. happy yeah. birthday, Joe! <laughs> And anybody listening to the podcast, please write to Joe and send him your wishes. Okay, so that that's you know that really is a, a dedication to your development role for George's, which that. is fantastic. <laughs> it's been a birthday treat interviewing you, Rick. That's for sure. So <laughs> I don't need a better. I don't need any other presents. So um, yeah, uh, thank you again, and uh, really appreciate your time. You're welcome. And uh, any Georgians listening, please feel free to reach out to me. Thank you for listening to the Georgian Voices podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, why not sign up to our Always Georgian mailing list and receive all the latest Georgian news, including invitations to upcoming events and celebrations. To join, please visit georgianfamily.co.uk. If you or anyone you know would like to feature in an upcoming episode, please get in touch with the development team at St. George's.